Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Nose in the Books is a lovely library and peaceful space for study, reading and talks near Haisan Place in Causeway Bay. Situated in an old Tong Lao above a beauty salon, Nose in the Books is the first library of the humanities in the city and combines the book donations of four local retired professors, including Dr. Marina Zito, who previously worked at Hong Kong University's Comparative Literature Department. Nose in the Books covers a wide range of topics, including Hong Kong, gender, culture, urban studies, literature, philosophy and cinema. I joined Siu Fung Law and Gavin Jair, two former students of Dr. Marina Zito, at Nose in the Books to find out more. We started off with Dr. Zito's books and then we continued to build our book collection through different donations from different scholars, from urban studies, theatre studies, etc. Can you tell me more about Dr. Zito? Were you a student of hers? As an undergraduate, I was a student. And what did you study? Uh, literature. So uh, you've got uh, Dr. Zato's books here. So is that mostly her area was literature before she she went to full-time study Buddhism, didn't she? Um, actually, her study was quite comprehensive and broad. So she her study actually encompasses different um, disciplines like literature, film studies, gender studies, Buddhism, a little bit of urban studies, activism, and also China studies as well. So quite comprehensive in range. And can you tell me how this project started? I mean, was she moving out of her office? She had lots of boxes of books, or how did this project first come about? So it actually came out with discussion with a student, and so she wanted to find a place to host her books and also um, to build a communal area where different people can come and read the books. So Nose in the Books, I quite like that name. Can you tell me where Nose in the Books comes from? In Cantonese, it's called Da Su Deng. So Da Su Deng is, is, a, is a kind of like phrase that talks about people like staying in a place, you know, just reading casually and without the limitation of time and space. So that's why we, we want to have that kind of name in in our library so to create because our space is also a place that you you can spend the whole afternoon you know in a very quiet you know comfortable space that you can really read and uh, to you know absorb knowledge from our scholars from our teachers now how does it work i mean i know that there's a number of donors who are involved in in this library let's talk about the books first so you've got about is it now three or four academics books Yes, yeah, so we have, uh, right now we have like, uh, apart from Dr. Sito, we have uh, three other scholars, retired scholars, uh, professors. They also donated their other, you know, collection of books, which include like urban studies books, like translation and also um, theater studies. So we actually like have a more complete collection right now because as um, Dr. Marina Sito has a huge collection of books on literature, on gender, on psychoanalysis and philosophy. And, you know, this added collection of books actually um, completed the library. Now, were you also a student of Dr. Zato? 
Yes, um, I was a student of Dr. Sito when I was like studying my MPhil degree. So my research was basically on transgender studies, and she was my mentor and supervisor because like there were also at, at the same time there were not a lot of like scholars who were very expertized in like gender and sexuality, and that's why I went to her. And uh, she is someone who can always embrace different ideas, and that's why a lot of our students have a huge variety of. Like a research interest, and uh, we can all come together to really well on that. Now, when did she go to study Buddhism? I think she has been studying、uh, studying Buddhism or interested in Buddhism for quite some time. But we knew about her idea about、uh, wanting to really spend most of her time in studying Buddhism around like three four years ago. And that is also the time when she wanted to really find a space for all her book collection. Now, Gavin, tell me about when you come in here. Then this is a whole variety of humanities、uh, subjects, really. What, what would you say is the ethos of the library? I mean, you know, in terms of can any old book come in here, or is it basically it's got to be under a set umbrella of books? You know, in terms of subject matter. So, because we are a humanities library, so we. Want to have books related to the humanities, so books on literature, on films, but perhaps not too popular ones. We want something that can engage with people intellectually. Yeah, so it, it, it's not possibly、uh, always the books that you can possibly get in the bookshop anyway. The idea is to provide people with a, something a bit different. So we're sitting here in this lovely tenement building, Tonglao, and it's a quite incredible because to come here, you go along probably one of the most expensive streets in Hong Kong, if not generally. And、uh, there's、uh, a couple of huge shopping malls around here, and then we come into this lovely. Historic building. So, who would you like to come here? Who are your readers?、Um, we want people who like to read, who who are passionate about reading, and who are keen to read difficult and challenging works that can allow themselves to grow emotionally or intellectually. You know, I mean, the fact that you're paying rent in Causeway Bay—that's a bit of a challenge. So,、uh, I know that you've got a number of donors who are helping out with that. But if I'm coming here as a reader, how do we do it? I mean, you know, I give a, set, a certain amount of money. Can I take the books from here, or do I need to read them here? Oh, so you can't take the books from here. You can only read here, and to do so, you need to be our registered reader. So you need to pay a deposit of three hundred dollars and then become our registered reader, and they can enjoy the books here. Dr. Zito, what was she like? I mean, I know that、um, she's gone off and she's studying her Buddhism, but it strikes me that I'm talking with two students. I know another student who's who's introduced me to this project, and you're very enthused about carrying on her legacy, I think, in her books and also the the other academics. So she must be very special. Yeah, I think it's really her passion in teaching, like、um, how she really devoted herself to teaching, how she. Sees teaching not as a job, but as a as an occasion to embrace the students, to to care about them, and to challenge and nurture them to grow intellectually. And、uh, now, what do you do when you're not helping out with the library? What's what's are you studying at the moment? Or oh, um, I am completing my PhD degree um at the moment, so I'm busy writing my thesis right now. <laughs> so you'll then be Dr. Gavin. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, good luck with that. So this actually to come here must be a a nice bit of relaxation, is it? 
Oh, it can be relaxing, but then I can also do my study here. And actually, I can use. Actually, I think I can complete my PhD degree without going to another library. That now, I mean, with uh, Dr. Zito, as you said, she she was in terms of her academic career, she was multifaceted by the sound of it. But she was like focusing also on literature. What are the other fields of some of the other retired academics whose collections are here? So some of the retired professors who have donated their books, they are on like several areas. So mostly we have like、uh, from the urban studies. So they are about、uh, studying about the city, city space, architecture, etc. And、uh, also we have a retired scholar who is specialized in translation. So we have a huge collection of books on translation, translator projects, and also all these like、uh, analysis on translation. And also, we have another professor who is on theatre plays. So the the collection would be both Hong Kong and you know, and also like across the world on you know theories and also like plays, you know, in relation to theatre. What would you say is the Chinese and English mix? I mean, I was I was surprised when I came in that you've got. I was expecting this to be majority Chinese books, but you've got an entire mix here. Yeah, we have a huge mix of like、uh, Chinese and also English collection of books, and of course we have a small collection of other languages, for example French or also German. But mostly because a lot of these books are theory, more on the theory, more academic. So、uh, you can see that the、um, English collection might be slightly higher in terms of theory and in terms of some of the disciplines. But we also have a collection. We have collection of books on Taiwanese. Uh, literature, Hong Kong literature, and also, of course,、uh, China China literature. So these books are in、uh, for Hong Kong studies as well. So these books are in, in Chinese mostly. Now, if people want to come and、uh, become members so of the library, and, and you pay three hundred dollars, is that、uh, an annual subscription, or how does it work? Oh no, it works as a deposit. So so you come here and you pay the three hundred dollars, and then you can become our registered reader. And then once you've decided that you don't want to become a Register really anymore? Then you can just take your three hundred dollars back. That's a generous model, really. Yeah, because the purpose of the three hundred deposit is not、uh, is not a membership fee or something like that. It's more about、uh, knowing, you know, register register the readers in a more systematic way. So, and、uh, because this is also, we also want to create this kind of public space in which people can enjoy reading, you know, as much, you know, just as they do in public libraries. So that is why it is also very important. So, so we are not、uh, actually collecting. Money from our readers. Now, with the library itself, how much can you expand? I mean, are you looking to take also donation? I mean, the correct kinds of books, but are you also looking to take future donations of books?、Uh, yeah, we also accept donations of books, but then the books will be subject to the decision of the librarian. So to decide、um, if we're going to keep the books or not. So apart from the library, apart from the reading itself, during the weekends we also organize like different kinds of cultural activities. For example, like sometimes it would be、um, literature like uh, salon. Uh, sometimes it would be a film screening. Sometimes it would be a lot of times would be you know a talks are hosted by different people in the community. For example, photographers, filmmakers, or people who do who want to do book launches. 
etc. And it is also free, and it is not only for our registered readers, but for everyone. So um, you can you can just go online and just you know reserve a seat for one of those events that you are interested in. Then you can just come to our event and enjoy weekend afternoon in a quiet space, you know, uh, with films or you know, or literature and also or sometimes photography. Yes, I think it's it's good for my soul as well as my growing my knowledge or um, you know increasing my academic knowledge of literature or whatever. I think uh, having a place like this in Hong Kong is really really important. What we're doing now is where we the collection that we have is is based on what Dr. Sito made mostly about Dr. Sito's collection, but at the same time we are also and we are also hoping to you know um, to enrich our different disciplines and enrich our book collection. So, um, and it has to depend on donations, yeah. But isn't it a bit of an old-fashioned concept? I mean, does anybody read any books anymore? Um, this is a really good question. A lot of people like uh, always mention that, oh, we now read e-books. Uh, but we believe that, um, you know, building a space, a comfortable, quiet, you know, reading space would actually, you know, and really touch I mean, I'm an old-fashioned person. Although I also read a lot of e-books, but I also really like the the feeling, the texture of holding a real book, and to read, and in particular, a lot of because it is um, collections from scholars, from our retired professors. A lot of these books actually have their own um, marking, you know, from these professors. You know, sometimes they take notes, sometimes they highlight some of those, and I think it is also very useful, you know, and also very insight, you know, um, inspirational to actually read you know, what they wrote on those books, you know. So it's not just a book that you can buy from Amazon. So it's a book that marked with um, a teacher's, you know, a journey about, you know, knowledge. So I think that is, that is what's special about here. If people want to get hold of the Facebook page or otherwise find out about you, is this, is the Facebook called Nose in the Book? So can you tell me a little bit more about how to find you? Yeah, so we are on we are currently on Facebook and on um, Instagram. So basically, you can just type in notes in the books or Dasu Dang, uh, and then you will immediately find us. And uh, you can just like us on our Facebook page or Instagram page, and uh, you can also then you can get all the updated information about um, our events or you know and our book collection, etc. Very nice. So looking around here, as you say, you've got this variety of uh, different books, different areas, uh, but all related to the humanities. Yes. Um, so the the location of our library is just um, quite the opposite, the opposite of Heisen Place and uh, and also the Apple Store. So it's on the third floor. So you have to uh, walk upstairs uh, for uh, three levels, and then you can find us immediately. Along with Dr. Marina Zito, who are the other collections from? So we have, uh, we are very fortunate to have uh, three other retired professors um, who donated their books to us. So we have Professor Jane Lai donating the translation in theater books. She was from uh, Baptist University. And we also have Dr. YC Chen, and also Professor Tang Wing Sing uh, donating geography, books of geography and urban studies. And they're all retired now? Yes, they're all retired right now. So out of all the books here, uh, Su Fong, can you select a couple that are of particular interest to you? 
Yeah, um, I, I selected like three books. Um, these three books are also very related to my own thesis. Um, so um, my thesis, my research interest is on gender and sexuality. So I have this first book on um, female masculinity. So it talks about you know masculinity of women. So I think that is, uh, and from um, Judith Haberstein, a very important scholar in the field. And uh, this is um, one of those very important books uh, if you are very interested in the masculinity studies and, uh, of course, like um, gender sexuality studies. So, yeah. So, and uh, this, this is one of those very important books for my thesis as well when I was writing about transgender studies. And the other book that I would like, I really like about is we have a collection of like religion books because of like, uh, um, Dr. Sito's interest in Buddhism. She has actually a, a quite a big collection of like in particular Buddhism books. And a lot of these books are not just like, uh, you know, um, everyday, you know, Buddhism, that kind of like, uh, self-help book. Uh, we have uh, the collection of our Buddhism or religion books are more theoretical in a sense. So, uh, we have, uh, you know, um, a shelf of uh, books on Buddhist philosophy. Um, so this is one of those, uh, so, and on Buddhist studies, basically. Buddhist studies, yeah. So this is uh, from uh, Karina Dasa. Karina Dasa is actually a very important scholar and uh, uh, writing on early Buddhism, you know, history and teachings. So it was also one of those books that inspired me into incorporating like Buddhist philosophy in my own research. Um, gender sexuality studies is more originated from the West. So I'm trying to put in Eastern philosophy in my own research um, to actually think about other possibilities of understanding, gen understanding gender and sexuality. So we have a collection of books on Buddhist studies. And the third book is really theoretical. So um, the third book that I really, um, so I'm also into like psychoanalysis. So in, in particular, like Dr. Marina Sito is very in, very into like Jacques Lacan's, um, ideas and, you know, as Sorry, who's, whose ideas? Um, Jacques Lacan's. Um, this, uh, Frank philosopher, Jacques Lacan, he has, uh, we have a, um, huge collection of his seminars books. And uh, this book that I really like is, is actually not his seminar books, but, uh, but an interpretation of his seminar books because his seminar books is quite difficult to read. And, uh. <laughs> so and this is, this is philosophy light, is it? Or? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it always happens. So, um, he, you know, all these like great philosophers, you know, they always have like, um, interpreters who are really, good in like um, translating their very difficult seminar talks and seminar settings so um uh, so this is uh, from uh, this is a book on uh, from Bruce Fing. Bruce Fing is one of the very important like uh, translator or interpreter of Lacan's um, theories. Very interesting three books and very different from one another there. Uh, thank you Su Fong. So Gavin, which ones have you picked out? Um, so I so like Su Fong I've picked three books. Um the first, I am actually the two. Um, two of them are the same. So um, one is in Chinese, and the other is is English translation. So um, the first book is um, the book in Chinese called um, Awesome. So uh, my city, written by the local author um, Sai Sai CC, more commonly known. So I think this is a really important uh, landmark book in Hong Kong literature in terms of how it writes about the the local experience of Hong Kong people in the 1970s in a in a fairy tale like manner so so you can regard it as a form of Hong Kong magic realism in this book then you can see a lot of pictures in it so you can see um, the sort of 
childlike fairy tale aspect of the book. And this is also um, the first edition of uh, CC's My Story, which is quite hard to find um, in the market nowadays. The second book is the same, so also CC's My City, but this one is the English translation translated by Eva Hong and published as part of the rendition series. So um, I think this is also very important because um, the rendition series is a series that is keen to translate um, Hong Kong literature into English. So very important in terms of broadening um, the, the intended audience of, of Hong Kong novels and poetry. And CC is one of the most important writers in Hong Kong and actually a lot of translations are being done right now. So I think a few years ago a collection of her poems were also published and translated by Jennifer Feely. So um, I think this is one of the interesting collections of uh, of the library because we have the whole collection of CC's books, um, not only in Chinese but also in English as well. So the third book is more academic, so it's written in Chinese but it also has an English name, so called um, Hong Kong Keywords, Imagining the New Future. So this book is edited by my supervisor, um, Professor Stephen Ju um, from the University of Hong Kong. And so this is similar to um, the classic work um, written by Raymond Williams um, called Keywords. So you can say this is a local version of, of keywords that he thinks are important and pertinent to Hong Kong culture. So in, and so in um, this book, he talks about um, many important keywords that may be crucial to our understanding of contemporary Hong Kong society and culture. For instance, like um, like the idea of mother language, mother tongue, um, nationalism, and also um, the issue of localness, floating city, etc. So I think this would be an important reflection on this historical period after the handover and how this leads to new thinkings about Hong Kong culture. It is called Instant Novels. What is special about it is, is that the novel is treated and reduced to canned concentrates, like milk powder. The reader need only take one of the cans home, dilute the powder in boiling water, as you would with instant coffee, and drink it up. Those who drink instant novels will see sin after sin from the novel appearing in their mind, just like a film. The Apple Instant Novel heralds a new era in the novel industry, with such advantages as being not harmful to the eyes and making no demands that anyone should know Chinese, English, French, German or Russian. It is of course doing excellently. My thanks to Chloe Lai reading there and also to Xu Fung Law and Gavin Jair. If you'd like to find out more about Nose in the Books, which relies on donations, then do visit their Facebook page. And now, to finish the programme, I'd like to play Three Poems on India by the late Hong Kong raconteur and writer Peter Moss. Peter I met two years ago and wish I'd had the chance to meet him many more times. He was born and grew up in India, where his father was a railway engineer before India became independent from Britain in 1947. Here he introduces the poems which were broadcast on RTHK in the 1970s, and RTHK's Geoffrey Weeks then recites them. Geoffrey Weeks Peter knew as an actor in India. I have a habit of daydreaming, 
usually with my eyes wide open. I remember a particularly heavy trip, as you might say, during my national service. I was a private in the Royal Army Pay Corps, bonking forms in a pay office at Footscray in Kent. It must have been the rhythmical, soporific beat as I bonked away, hour after hour. One day I was forced back to reality by someone snapping his fingers in my face. It was my sergeant. My entire pay section had stopped work to watch. I could hardly explain that I had been catching trains. Perhaps you wonder where I am, sitting, gazing vacantly. I'm packing cases in my brain and racing off to railway stations, seething with activity to catch a train. I'm traversing an Indian plain, seen through open carriage windows, breathing freely once again, inhaling as the monsoon wind blows, laden with the scent of rain. Occasionally, wayside halts go blurring by unnamed, like disconnected statements briefly framed, their syllables all out of sequence, barely capable of stirring consciousness of past events. Smiling vistas cycle by, a carousel of plain and sky, rotating on some axis pinned beyond horizons ill-defined, spinning slowly past my mind and letting memory unwind with every mile. Don't flag me down when you see me aboard or pull the safety cord that brings me to a standstill. Let me linger, if you will, and pass me tea with bread and butter only when I reach Calcutta. During the long, hot Indian summers, so very unlike the so-called Indian summers one gets in England, my mother retired to the hills, taking the children and at least half the servants with her. My younger brothers and I would look forward to Darjeeling, mainly because of the ride on the miniature railway which climbed all day like some toy amid the green hills. But even more impatiently, because we always hoped that this year we might finally discover some remnant of the mythical snow, which of course had never really fallen in our absence. I call this poem An Icicle in India. We'd never known an icicle until that year we went up early, summering in Darjeeling arriving at our bungalow in what remained of spring. It clung there, slowly dying in the shadow by the window pane, thinner than a finger and clearer than a tear. An icicle in India! We rushed round excitedly. Could anything so beautiful be left to disappear? We wrapped it in a handkerchief and nursed it in a thermos flask to wait for the interminable journey to the plain. We spent most of the war years in a railway colony called Panchrapara, which became a Royal Air Force base for the Burma Front. Many years later, when I was living in Malaya, I was surprised to meet someone who not only knew the name, but had actually been to Panchrapara. Geoffrey Weeks had called there with a visiting NSEC company to perform at the local railway institute. Since my father was secretary of the institute at that time, I was naturally in the audience with my free ticket. Geoffrey doesn't remember the Kanchapara trolley, 
but he has nevertheless consented to read the keepers of the track. I come here often, wandering at will among these rusted rails long overgrown. The clatter of the trolley wheels and patter of the barefoot pair who run behind stick in my mind and prick my conscience still. Superior to the sweating coolie hosts, with scores of servants at our beck and call, we never questioned destinies of Anglo-Indian families like ours, who held important railway posts. I couldn't have been more than eight years old. My solar topi, like some badge of rank, unconsciously instilled in me authority to oversee a servile race that knew its place and did what it was told. The trolley siding ran through vivid greens of paddy fields stretched to a distant haze. Its only destination, a sleepy railway station, which awakened to excesses when, once a day, expresses called forth memorable scenes. Whenever in my mind I venture back, it seems to me the journey never ends. The silent pair who run behind, propelling me, and interrupt their loping strides with buffer rides, are keepers of the track. And nothing I can say will break their gait. I sit there rigid on my little bench. The people from the villages now line the rails and smile to hear my helpless cry as we flash by. I've noticed them too late. My thanks to the late poet Peter Moss. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>